0: Do not be afraid. Because Jesus has come alive, death has been swallowed up in victory. Matthew 28 10. Do not be afraid. Why? Because Jesus came out of the grave alive, and we now have a new and living and fresh hope because of Easter. Do not be afraid. Because the devil has been defeated. Matthew 28, 10. Do not be afraid. Because the unique, visible, commanding, bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because of that, people like us can live lives of freedom. We just sang about a moment ago. And we can have a new affinity with God. We can have a real relationship with the god and the universe. And that just blows my puny little brain all to smithereens. We can have a real relationship with God because of Easter. And our connection with Jesus can be just as real as the nose on your face. And for some of us it's more real than others than for others. So the Bible describes this connection with God, this relationship with God, as as a personal relationship. It's altogether possible for human beings like us to have a close, personal, intimate relationship with God. The Apostle John declared in 1 John 3, 1, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that's what we are. Notice how, and I chose the NIV for this verse because I I think it brings out the nuance better than the English Standard Version or any other for that matter because at the end of both sentences there's an exclamation mark. It it, it brings out, the, the it emphasizes the extraordinary nature of the possibility that God lavished His love on us. There goes my brain all over again. Pretty soon I'm not going to have anything left to think with. And as a result of God lavishing His love on us, we have been granted the glorious privilege of becoming the particularly loved children of God. Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica, for example, and says, we know, brothers loved by God, that He has chosen you. Uh, chosen by God, and loved by God. We become children of God, and it's a marvelous thing. We can have a personal relationship with Him. Some of you here tonight are old enough to remember Muhammad Ali, the boxer. Remember him? He was quoted as saying, When I get that championship, I'm going to put on my old jeans, and I'm going to get an old hat, And I'm going to grow a beard, and I'm going to walk down an old country road where nobody knows me until I find a pretty little fox who don't know my name, who just loves me for who I am. And then I'm going to take her back to my $500,000 house overlooking my multi-million dollar housing development. I'll show her all my Cadillacs and the indoor pool, and I'll say, baby, this is all yours just because you love me for who I am. But you know, God the Father does not wait to see how we're going to respond before He loves us. He lavishes His love on us when we are the most undeserving creatures on the planet. God shows His love for us in this. While we were still sinners, still separated from God, still walking down that country road we hadn't been found yet, He loved us. In other words, God does not wait to see how you're going to respond to His love. He demonstrates His love for us long before we're even capable of responding to His love. While we're still polluted and immoral and corrupt and sinful and dishonest, God loves us. (laughs) That's amazing. That's amazing. But it's kind of like being a parent. You know, these... Little things come into your life and they're so selfish and self-centered. All they want to do is eat and cry and pee and fill their diapers. and They just expect you to look after them. So God loves us just the way we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to leave us that way. He wants to keep transforming us little by little, so we become more and more like Jesus, so that sooner or later we get closer and closer to the perfection of Jesus. He loves us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. So he wants to see transformation take place in our lives. Do you believe that? See what great love the Father has lavished on us? He doesn't just sprinkle it on, you know. A little bit here, a little bit there. He he pours it on. He just lavishes it on us. Because of the resurrection, then, it's entirely possible for people like you and me to have a personal relationship with the God who created the earth ex nihilo, out of nothing. He he just spoke it into being. He just said, and it was. (laughs) I love serving a God with that kind of power, don't you? He just speaks it into existence. Bam! And there she is. And he invites us to be part of his family. We're actually related. That God of the universe who created everything, ex nihilo, is our Father. Marvelous. That's the triumph of Easter. Furthermore, this personal relationship with God is also a certain relationship. John states emphatically that his purpose in writing his first letter is to help believers become really certain about their relationship with God. He, he, he writes it so that the guesswork is taken out of it. 1 John five thirteen. Why don't you read this verse out loud with me? I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may have eternal life that you may know it. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you can know that you have eternal life. I, I've been in all kinds of conversations. I'm sure some of you have too. with People who say, you can't say that. Nobody knows for sure. Well, yeah, I can. I, I can, with all due respect, I can. And I will. And I must. Because it's true. 1 John 5, 13. In other words, you can be convinced and confident of your personal relationship with God the Father through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. This relationship with God can be both secure and solid. It it leaves us feeling reassured and and comforted and established in our faith. Not long ago, one of the brothers from the gathering uh, wrote me an email, uh, and I, I saved it and asked, his permission to share a little bit from it. In in the email he wrote, he said, "Pastor Garth, I, I'm so very happy to tell you that our wonderful Savior has settled my heart with respect to my own eternal salvation." Now, without the backstory, you might go, mm, "That's good news," but the backstory to that email makes it even more delicious. This same man had been tormented. For years until he started coming to the gathering. Tormented for years in his relationship with God. In fact, he became so confused, partly because of some teaching, and partly just because life is confusing, became so confused that he started self medicating with whiskey, every single day. Eight to 10 to 12 to 14 or 16, well, however much whiskey he needed to drink every day he drank. You know, the devil works overtime to convince us that we are not worthy of God's love. And, and so we go out and we do crazy stuff like that. I mean, the guy knew better. He told me, he said, my, my mother loved God. You know, she was a devout Christian woman. I, I grew up knowing better. But you know, we get so confused, we go out and do, do silly stuff, we do stupid stuff. And we start believing the whispers that the devil is whispering in our ears. We start to believe that stuff. You're no good, you're not worthy, you know, you're stupid, you're dumb, you're a loser, you'll never make it, God can't use you look at you, look at you. And we start to believe it. We make friends with people who who can't ever help us understand the will of God for our lives because they're living in the other direction. And many times the assurance of our salvation begins to fade away. Do you know what I'm talking about? But according to the Bible, we can know for certain that we're connected to God and He's connected to us. But the basis of our kinship with God is not our feelings. It's not how I feel about this in the morning. Because I'll tell you, there's lots of mornings that I don't feel saved. I just get up too darn early to feel saved. That's why I put the coffee on and open my Bible right away. You know, you can't live by feelings. And I'm exaggerating a little bit, but... The basis of our kinship with God is not how we feel. It's based on Scripture. For example, solid Scripture. Scripture like John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. To all who did receive Him, Jesus, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. See? It's a God thing. And Ephesians 28:9 says, "For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's not your own doing. It's not your own doing. It's the gift of God. Not a result of work so that no one can boast. Jesus Christ died and rose again so that we might enter a personal, certain relationship with Him that's full of unconditional love and acceptance. Doesn't that sound like good news? That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's the Easter story. That's the message of God's love for us. Furthermore, because of Easter, you and I can have a secure relationship with God. Now, supposing we have entered into this personal relationship with God and we've got that settled and we're certain of it because of God's word, we ask ourselves, is it truly secure? Or can it be given one day and taken away the next? Can we be born into God's family one moment and expelled the next? Or can we be born into God's family in 1998 and... By 2008, we're, we're no longer part of the family of God. Is that a possibility? Well, a marriage begins with heartfelt promises of fidelity and, and faithfulness. And we know that marriages go sour. Maybe that could happen with our relationship with God. Maybe, that, maybe there will be a divorce at some point in time. Well, because the Bible indicates that a believer's relationship with God is a fortified, permanent, protected, enduring, eternal, secure relationship, I would say not. I would say it's not a possibility. (laughs) Max Locato tells a story of being dropped by his insurance company because he had a couple of claims, and then a third fender bender that wasn't his fault, and a couple speeding tickets, and, you know, but anyway, he got dropped because of, uh, uh, they, they thought he was not a good driver. Uh, one day he received a, a letter in the mail. Anybody here ever, never mind, no, no personal confession needed. He got a letter in the mail informing him that he needed to seek coverage someplace else. No go away, we, we don't want you anymore. As he reflected on how he wasn't good enough for his insurance company anymore, the spiritual tie-in was just too obvious. He wrote in one of his books, he said, you know, many people fear receiving a letter like this from God. Some people worry that God's going to drop them because they've, you know, they've become a liability somehow to God. Or they've broken the rules... Or they've had one too many fender benders, spiritually. And God's going to just put them to the side. So the author then imagines this correspondence. And in typical Max Locato fashion, this correspondence comes uh, from the Pearly Gates Underwriting Division. Dear Mrs. Smith, I'm writing in response to this morning's request for forgiveness. I'm sorry to inform you that you have reached your quota of sins. (laughs) Our record shows that since employing our services, you have erred seven times in the area of greed, and your prayer life is substandard compared to others of like age and circumstance. Further review reveals that your understanding of doctrine is in the lower 20 percentile, and you have excessive tendencies to gossip. Because of your sins, you are now a high-risk candidate for heaven. (laughs) You you understand that grace has its limits, right? Jesus sends his regrets and kindest... (laughs) and kindest regards and hopes that you will find some other form of coverage. (laughs) I mean, can you imagine? But folks, listen. For some people, this is life. Because they have no assurance of God's love. They're not certain at all about their relationship with God. They lack confidence, and they lack a sense of security that is undoing them. In contrast, though, to that, the Bible teaches people can have a a real, genuine, lasting, and enduring, eternal relationship with the Father through faith in Jesus Christ. And the Bible says to people who have that relationship with God through faith in His Son, if God is for us, who can be against us? For I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor denomination, oh, that's not in there, but we could put that in there, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen, amen, hallelujah. Yeah, that's an Easter passage too, I think. But see, Jesus has already gone to the cross for you, and now because of Easter and the resurrection, Jesus is alive. And because Jesus is alive, we can all know that we have a personal, secure, enduring, lasting, certain relationship with God. Nothing is able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. However, you can't put the cart before the horse. Have you ever lived on the farm and tried that? It doesn't work. Can't put the cart before the horse. And so you can't put a growing relationship before an opening introduction. If you stood before God today or tomorrow morning on Easter Sunday, if you were to stand before God and He were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven?" what would you say? How would you answer that question? I read in the Toronto Star that a man named Corporal Kelly Brockerville flew from Ontario, from Toronto, to Vancouver, British Columbia, to give his brother the gift of life. His brother had kidney failure, and he was going to donate one of his kidneys to his brother, Thomas. The Brockerville brothers are two brothers in a family of 14 brothers and sisters. And all of them have a hereditary degenerative kidney disease. They all will require a kidney transplant at some point in time. And Corporal Kelly flew from Toronto to British Columbia to save his brother's life. But listen, ever since Adam sinned, every person in the human race has been infected with sin. Every one of us. Every one of us is sick with sin. And the only one who can give you the gift of life is Jesus. And He's already died on the cross to procure that. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 18, For Christ also suffered once for sins... The righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God. See, that's his purpose. That's what he wants to do. He wants to present us to God the Father. He wants us to be in relationship with God. And then a couple of verses from 1 Timothy 2, 5, and 6. There's one God, and there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. Jesus is the mediator between us and God. Jesus died in order to forgive our sins, Jesus came out of the grave alive in order to secure our freedom to declare His victory over sin and death. In order to receive His gift of eternal life, though you have to believe that Jesus Christ died for you on the cross, and He rose from the grave, and then all you have to do is invite Jesus Christ to come into your life and be your Savior. Only God can give the gift of eternal life. Only God can provide the prescription for life. Saved by grace through faith, but the grace the urge to repent, the ability to believe in in Christ, all of those are gifts from God. None of it comes from me. None of it is generated by man. It's a a supernatural gift from God. So if you've never invited Jesus to be your Savior, then please do it today. Say, oh, how how do I know if I'm ready? If you're thinking you might be ready, you're ready. Yeah, you're ready. Turn from your sin. Trust in Christ. Let Him lavish the love of the Father on you and soak it in. Come to Jesus. Believe in Him. God is able. What's impossible with us is entirely possible with God. God is able. Lifted up, He defeated the grave. Raised to life, our God is able. He's able. He's able to do for you and for me what we're not able to do for ourselves. That's grace. God does for us what we can't do for ourselves. So let's pray over that together, shall we, on this Easter Saturday evening. Exalted and resurrected Lord Jesus... We come before you tonight with hearts that are full and hands raised as we shout with joy. The Lord is risen. He's risen indeed. Lifted up, he defeated the grave. Raised to life, our God is able. Lord, you didn't lie or exaggerate. The cross is empty. The tomb is empty. Death is done. Satan crushed. Hopelessness is out of work. Despair is sent packing condemnation is no more oh Lord what a glad and glorious day it is as we sit here tonight in resurrection wonder Jesus because you've been raised from the dead preaching the gospel is not useless it's essential and God is able faith in you is not futile but fertile we're no longer encased in our sins We're fully wrapped in your righteousness. Thanks be to God. God is able. And in light of this great Easter hope and because this gospel is true, Lord Jesus, free us. Free us from the pettiness and emptiness of simply living for ourselves. Oh God, may your your compelling love propel us to live for you For you died for us and you've been raised again. And so today we shout even louder, the Lord is risen. He's risen indeed. God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to the power of the resurrection. So do it, Lord Jesus. Do it here at the gathering. You're the only one who is able. So do it, Lord Jesus. Do it, we pray in your name. Amen.